Hello there on Tuesday, the 2nd of February 2021. It's 8 a.m. in the Gambia on the second day of the second month. And live on West Coast Radio 92.1, it's time for your morning fix. Coffee time with me, Peter Gomez, brought to you in association with OIC Gambia and Banjul Shipyard Company Limited. Gambia may be the smallest country in Africa, but it will host the second largest gathering of world leaders in 2022 to successfully host the OIC Summit. The government of the Gambia set up OIC Gambia to mobilize resources for the implementation of key development and infrastructure projects on a scale never seen before. 20 new roads will be constructed across the country, and the Bertel Harding Highway will be expanded into a dual carriage highway of two lanes on each side from the airport to Sting Corner. All people in the Gambia deserve clean water and a constant flow of electricity. Therefore, an entirely new water system will be constructed, including new transmission and distribution networks to meet the increasing demand. In order to provide a more reliable supply of electricity, the OIC Gambia project will replace and double the capacity of the Nawak transformers and overhead electric cables. We will equip the police with modern apparatus and technical training in an effort to keep the streets of the Gambia safe. OIC Gambia, building today for a better tomorrow. Banjul Shipyard Company Limited, a subsidiary of the Gambia Ports Authority, delivering excellent services to marine and industrial servicing. Our services also include welding and carpentry. Our welding works includes fabrication of tanks for petrol stations, marine buoys, roof trusses, buckler proofs, steel gates, and many more. Our carpentry workshop provides office furniture, such as filing cabinets of all sizes, junior executive decks, household furniture, bedroom sets, kitchen sets, roofing works, school furniture, and many more. With Banjul Shipyard Company Limited, we get it done for you, so worry no more. For more information, call 997-7271 or 790-6256. And coming up on the program this morning, three new COVID-19 deaths and 49 infections. The Gambia is in the throes of a second wave of the COVID-19 pandemic. After the official inauguration of his political party, President Barrow is in the firing line again over his attitude towards the virus in the Gambia. Last Saturday, it was NPP. Next is a musical concert at the Independence Stadium. Do Gambians care at all about coronavirus? We have your weekly OIC Gambia Focus, the newspaper front pages, and an hour and a half with the Ibrahimas. And that's your Coffee Time with Peter Gomez. The ECOWAS Brown Card Scheme is an extension of domestic motor third-party liability insurance covers within the ECOWAS subregion. The scheme was established by the Protocol on Free Movement of Goods and Persons across ECOWAS national boundaries to facilitate economic integration. Each ECOWAS member state therefore has a national office coordinating its activities. So in the event of an accident with another ECOWAS motorist, immediately contact the National Bureau of the country where the accident occurs. You are guaranteed immediate assistance and payment of any civil liability claim arising from the accident. The contact details of all national bureaus are at the back of the ECOWAS Brown Card Certificate. 
For more information, please contact National Bureau Echoes Bound Card Insurance Scheme at 10 C Nelson Mandela Street, Banjul, or telephone 4201637-7071004, or email info at echoesboundcard.gm or samsehu at msn.com. The GCCI is proud to champion the UNDP Gender Equality SEAL Certification Program in the Gambia. This program provides a concrete tool for the public and private sectors to come together to help achieve the sustainable development goals. By reducing gender gaps and promoting both equality in the workplace and women's economic empowerment. Already, more than half the exhibition stalls at the GCCI Annual Trade Fair Gambia International are women-owned, and the Chamber has also facilitated the participation of Gambian women in exhibitions all over the world. With the African continental free trade area set to become a reality in 2021, the GCCI stands ever ready to work with Gambian businesswomen to help them gain a competitive advantage in new and developing markets. Are you worried about cyber vandalism, malware, including virus, one? Trojans or ransomware in your computer networks for institutions and companies? Kaspersky Global. Kaspersky Worry no more as Kaspersky Multinational Cybersecurity Lab is here to address your needs. Kaspersky EDR Optimum is the number one cybersecurity solution provider with over 4 million users around the world. We offer advisory and consulting services on vulnerability assessment, penetration testing, data loss prevention, and internal vulnerability management. Kaspersky Global. We also provide training services on cybersecurity, cybersecurity awareness, and cyber risk management. For more information on the services we offer, please contact Kaspersky Authorized Soul Agent in the Gambia AKEL on 363-7701 or 749-7709. At Kaspersky, we pride ourselves on only taking business we believe we can excel in. Kaspersky Global. Kaspersky Global. We start our front page review with the point X. NIADG vows to kill Sanamanjang. Castle fire incident causes damage of over $600,000. UNICEF warns against disregard, uh, disregarding COVID-19 protocols. And uh, Minister Ba harps on significance of Gambia's cultural heritage at Kankurang Festival. Foraya's front page says this morning, GPPC advances reason for delay in submission of reports. KMC laments land ministry's failure to respond to its letter. Forestry says anyone caught setting fire to community forests will face prosecution. And former NIA director general says, I was a strong supporter of the APRC. Now, we don't have a copy of the voice this morning, so we'll end with this standard and this is what the paper has on its front page. Dabo says he will link president with drug dealers unless ex-NIA boss says Jame ordered killings and torture. Hamad Ba says he's the least tribalist Gambian politician. Government slammed over recalled Senegalese diplomats' sex crime. Rauda accused of fomenting division among Muslims. And activist says Baro has not learned from Jane Commission. And that was your first look at the Tuesday papers. Our thanks to their proprietors and editors. Eight minutes past eight o'clock. Tuesday, the 2nd of February, 
2021. Coffee Time with Peter Gomez, live on West Coast Radio, 92.1. Three new COVID-19 related deaths have been recorded, bringing the total number of coronavirus fatalities registered in the Gambia to 131. All three were males aged 65, 68, and 78. 49 new infections announced bring the total number of COVID-19 cases in the country to 4,139. 32 people are in quarantine. The latest COVID bulletin was issued on Monday, two days after President Barrow launched his National People's Party amid a carnival atmosphere at the Independence Stadium. Pasamba Jao followed the event from his U.S. base and has a few things to share. Good morning, Peter, and good morning to all the listeners. Peter, it is quite disquieting to watch the total disregard that our governments and other leaders have shown towards the lives of the Gambian people. The primary objective and responsibility of a government is to preserve the lives of those that they live, the citizens. But looking at how the government operates, some political parties, one would wonder whether they care about the lives of our people. It is a fact, a repeatable fact, that the whole world is crippling with the COVID-19 problems, especially the resurgence of this very deadly virus and the new variants that people have seen. But while the other countries in the world, all serious governments, are taking steps to protect their citizens, the Gambia, one of the poorest countries in the world, with one of the worst healthcare systems in the world, is playing with the lives of the people, and it's quite sad. When the president went on his tour, the Meet the People's Tour, the gatherings that we saw, we thought that after the outcry from many corners, in the country, that the president will have a rethink. Yes, there was a launch of the NPP. The president and his team are very happy because of the numbers that they had. But the question that all citizens must ask themselves is, to whose benefit and for what purpose? Leaders are supposed to lead and do the most difficult things when it comes to the lives of the people. Watching the launching of the NPP, and then hearing the government in other circles advising Gambians to adhere to the WHO recommendations sends a very wrong signal. And no wonder most Gambians feel that there is no COVID in the Gambia. And the reason for that is because of the attitude of our government and some political parties towards this virus. It looks like everybody has been overtaken by political expediency instead of focusing on doing what is right by our people. Isn't it contradictory for our government to want to enforce guidelines from the WHO or other measures that they claim would curtail the spread of COVID-19, especially when it comes to those that are traveling in the country? But once you cross the borders and come to the Gambia, it becomes business as usual. Not because of the citizens, but because of events that are organized by the same government that is trying to advise the people to respect the WHO protocols. 
But if the government and those that aspire to lead us are not showing any respect, any respect for our lives, then we must not allow them to play with our lives. And this is why it is imperative that we reject all these gatherings that are being organized mainly by politicians. And chief amongst them, the presidents and his government, the government that is supposed to execute or put into practice your guidelines. To the politicians, we understand that this is a political year. Everybody is busy for the cake, the ultimate prize to become the president of the country. But I am hoping that none of you would want to inherit a country that is ravaged by a virus, poor healthcare system, and dead bodies. We have to be very frank. The number of Gambians that are dying of late is massive. The number of people infected by this virus is rising. Even though we do not have mass testing, meaning that there may be thousands of Gambians who are asymptomatic with this very deadly virus and are not detected. And most of these people are going around spreading this virus, especially in gatherings that are being organized, not by private citizens for the most part, but by the government of the Gambia and the political party that now is led by the president. So we as a people again must ask ourselves, what is more important to us? To make these politicians feel good or our lives? I thank you very much and hope that society will continue and our politicians and leaders, especially the president and the minister of health, will do what is right by the people and not what is politically expedient. And that was Pasamba Jao. We'll expect a response from the Ibrahimas as soon as they are here. A Financial Training Center. Registrations are open for January to June 2021 semester for the following programs. ACCA at all levels, CIPS all levels, IIA levels 1, 2, and 3, CAT all levels. Registration forms can be obtained from the school's admin office from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. and on Saturdays from 9.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. Documents required include high school result a certificate at any other high qualification copy of identity card or birth certificate lectures for all programs will begin from the week of 31st of january 2021 for further inquiries contact the school on the following numbers 380-5661-996-7749-278-0438 or 7817301 or send us an email at aafinancialtraining at gmail.com or visit us at the second floor Red Cross building at Westfield opposite Nowick. A&A Financial Training Center students will have free access to attend accounting package and Excel classes. <laughs> Are you worried about cyber vandalism, malware, including virus, one, Trojans, or ransomware in your computer networks for your institutions and companies? Worry no more, as Kaspersky Multinational Cybersecurity Lab is here to address your needs. 
Kaspersky EDR Optimum is the number one cybersecurity solution provider with over 4 million users around the world. We offer advisory and consulting services on vulnerability assessment, penetration testing, data loss prevention, and internal vulnerability management. Kaspersky Global. Kaspersky we also provide training Global. services on cybersecurity, cybersecurity awareness, and cyber risk management. For more information on the services we offer, please contact Kaspersky Authorized Soul Agent in Agambia, AKEL, on 363-7701. Or seven four nine seven seven zero nine at Kaspersky. We pride ourselves on only taking business we believe we can excel in. Kaspersky Global. Kaspersky Global. For more than fifty years, the Gambia Chamber of Commerce and Industry has championed the rights of women in business. Every year, the GCCI recognizes their growing importance with the Business Woman of the Year Award. To further empower women in business, the GCCI, in partnership with UNDP, has launched a Women's Business Advocacy, or WBA, campaign. With this campaign, the GCCI seeks to challenge structural barriers and stereotypical patterns that hinder the promotion of women's participation and leadership in economic activities. The Women's Business Advocacy, therefore, will help excluded women to enter the business sphere and show their leadership skills, taking advantage of the enabling and supportive environment created by the GCCI. Seventeen and a half minutes past eight o'clock. Coffee time with Peter Gomez live on West Coast Radio 92.1. Now, after the huge gathering by the National People's Party, uh, last Saturday, another huge gathering has been cleared to take place at the stadium next Saturday. We're all aware of the row during the past few days between the management of the independent stadium and promoters of the popular Gambian singer known as ST. The singer's team accused the stadium board of trying to block access to the venue while the stadium management accused ST of demanding to stage his album launch at a part of the stadium he was told he couldn't use. Well, both sides announced on Monday, just yesterday, that their differences have now been amicably resolved, and ST is raring to go. This time around, I actually wanted to, I, I want to give them the, the most amazing performance they have ever seen. You know, because um, I've, I've said it in interviews earlier on, you know, like uh, 2020 has been a blessed year for me. You know, I had my first son, you know, and then, you know, it comes with a lot of inspiration and stuff. So, you know, it actually motivated me a lot, you know, to put more work on this album, actually. So it's supposed to be one out of a million. But I know, I do know certainly they would love my performance. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be off the hook. It's going to be nothing that I've done before. And it's going to be a nightmare for folks fighting the coronavirus outbreak in the Gambia. Anyway, that was S.T. Brikama Boyo, and we'll be hearing from him later in the week. Hello, everyone. This is the Covers for COVID campaign. My name is Naifa Tunjai. Here are simple steps you can take to help stop the spread of COVID-19. Wash your hands regularly. Wear a face mask properly and maintain social distance. This announcement is brought to you by me, Naifatunjai, in partnership with the U.S. Embassy Banjo. Don't forget to adhere to the CDC and WHO guidelines. Solen mask.
Are you worried about cyber vandalism, malware, including virus, one, Trojans, or ransomware in your computer networks for institutions and companies? Kaspersky Global. Worry no more, as Kaspersky Multinational Cybersecurity Lab is here to address your needs. Kaspersky EDR Optimum is the number one cybersecurity solution provider with over 4 million users around the world. We offer advisory and consulting services on vulnerability assessment, penetration testing, data loss prevention, and internal vulnerability management. Kaspersky Global. We also provide training services on cybersecurity, cybersecurity awareness, and cyber risk management. For more information on the services we offer, please contact Kaspersky Authorized Soul Agent in Agambia, AKEL, on 363-7701 or 749-7709. At Kaspersky, we pride ourselves on only taking business we believe we can excel in. Kaspersky Global. Kaspersky Global. ECOWAS Brown Card Insurance Scheme allows motorists to travel across ECOWAS countries with the guarantee that third-party accident victims are compensated. Under the directive of the Central Bank of the Gambia, National Bureau has started implementation of the automatic issuance of ECOWAS Brown Card Certificate to all motorists taking the local third-party motor insurance policy at a cost of not more than $325. This is an ECOWAS agreement signed by the authorities of ECOWAS Heads of States. The rationale is that we are in an ECOWAS space where even if you don't travel outside your country, foreign motorists may enter your country and cause an accident which may affect you. For more info, contact Gambia National Bureau ECOWAS Brown Insurance Scheme at 10 C Nelson Mandela Street, Banjo, or telephone 4201637-707104-3077781 or email info at ECOWASBrownCard.gm or samsehu at msn.com. We stay with the coronavirus because there are growing fears the South African variant of the virus could be spreading through the British community. More than 100 cases have been detected, and 11 of them them have no links to travel, suggesting it's already found a foothold. Internationally, several nations are also battling to contain new infectious types of the coronavirus from the UK and South Africa. Here in the Gambia, for example, at least... Three people have been found carrying the UK variant of the virus. UK authorities are concerned because the current crop of vaccines is believed to be less effective against the South African strain. So what do the new variants mean for the effectiveness of vaccines? Here's the ABC's Sarah Sedgi. After fronting the camera so many times to deliver disheartening news during the pandemic, a rare glimmer of hope from the World Health Organization's Director-General, Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus. For the third week in a row, the number of new cases of COVID-19 reported globally fell last week. There are still many countries with increasing numbers of cases, but at the global level, this is encouraging news. It shows this virus can be controlled even with the new variants in circulation. Scientists are especially concerned about a few new strains of the virus. Associate Professor Stuart Turville is from the Kirby Institute's Immunology and Pathogenesis Program at the University of New South Wales. What we've seen, obviously in the UK and in Brazil, and also in South Africa, is the emergence of what we see as they're termed variants of concern. I would say that they're variants of concern, at least in our world, in the virology world because the changes were greater than we expected. So in the UK version, there were eight changes in a key protein of the virus, which is the spike cloud glycoprotein, which makes it sort of sticky for human cells. And then also in the South African one, there were 12 changes. So 
Each month or two months would go past, we'd see maybe one or two changes in this key protein. But in those particular, what we call variants of concern, we saw an acceleration of those changes. And now we're really in the phase of understanding what that means for the virus. Vaccination programs are well underway in many countries, with Australia's program about to start later this month. So the big question is now, how will the vaccines work against the new strains? The early data that's coming through from South Africa, also from the UK and other places of the world, is that I think that the the vaccine is still generating a response to slow the virus down. It may not be to the 95% efficacy of what we saw in the initial kind of Moderna and uh, Pfizer trials, but it's still, um, you know, good to see we're slowing it down, and that's really important. Without the vaccines being in place, 2020, the virus was making itself at home. Now with the vaccines being put in place and basically being rolled out on mass in really big numbers, now we're going to start to push the virus. We're going to make it uncomfortable. We're going to make it do things, hopefully, that will upset its trajectory. The Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine will be administered in Australia, as well as the University of Oxford AstraZeneca and Novavax vaccines if approved for use. Professor Heidi Drummer is the Program Director for Disease Elimination at the Burnett Institute for Medical Research. So Novavax released some interim data from their clinical trials of their nanoparticle-based vaccine from the United Kingdom, and they showed that if they measured efficacy against the previous strain of the virus that was more closely matched to the vaccine, they had 95.6% efficacy. But that reduced somewhat against the UK variant down to 85.6. When they looked at the study participants in South Africa, where 92% of the infection was probably from the South African variant, the efficacy dropped to 60% among non-HIV infected volunteers. So that is a substantial drop, but it doesn't mean the vaccines are completely ineffective. You're still stimulating an immune response that is able to kick in when you're exposed to the virus and then give your body a much better chance of fighting off the infection and preventing severe COVID. So the vaccines that we currently have are still going to play a very important role in developing people's immunity to the virus and preventing very severe disease and reducing hospitalisation and death. There's still much more data to come in about how all the vaccines fare against variants, but Professor Drummer says the vaccines being procured in Australia should work. The more the virus replicates, the more opportunity it has to acquire these mutations. So it's really important that we reduce the number of new infections that are occurring globally. Vaccines are just one part of that story. We need to think about vaccines as part of our toolkit. We need to continue to use masks, social distancing, hand sanitizers, restrictions on travel and gatherings indoors. We need to use all of our tools that we have available to really hit this virus on the head and reduce the number of infections. And that's Professor Heidi Drummer, Program Director for Disease Elimination at the Burnett Institute ending that report by the ABC's Sarah Saji. It's Coffee Time with Peter Gomez. We're live on West Coast Radio 92.1, brought to you in association with OIC Gambia and Banjul Shipyard Company Limited. If you need services of machine shop, worry no more. Banjul Shipyard Company Limited, a subsidiary of the Gambia Ports Authority, delivering excellent services to marine and industrial servicing. We have sofas grinding for top cylinder heads, threading of pipes, shafts and nuts. 
machining of axle for trucks, regrouping of pistons, pressing works, drilling works, wheel drum, and dig scheming. Our electrical workshop does repair and servicing of electronic equipment, wiring of buildings, electrical installation works, and many more. Bangle Shipyard Company Limited, we are your solution to marine and industrial services. For more information, call 997-7271 or 790-6256. Building the largest international conference center in the region, a five-star hotel with state-of-the-art facilities, first-class mobility services, and improving the VVIP experience at the Banjul International Airport, OIC Gambia will position the Gambia as the leading conference destination in West Africa. With our partners in the tourism sector, we will reinforce the preeminent position of our nation, the Smiling Coast, as a go-to destination. The OIC Gambia will create strategic partnerships that calls for the involvement of local talent and businesses as a matter of requirement. In short, OIC Gambia projects will create jobs, boost commerce, accelerate growth, improve the urban outlook and lifestyles of many families across the Gambia. So let's support the OIC Gambia as it prepares us for one of the biggest global events. OIC Gambia, building today for a better tomorrow. It's 30 seconds shy of half past the hour. We will begin the second hour of the program with Nekumba Demba and her weekly feature, OIC Gambia Focus. But right now, as one of my two friends, the Information Minister, Ibrahim Silla, settles in his seat, I want to greet him with our first contribution for the two of them this week. And this has come in the form of a voice note. Hello, my name is Francis Mendy. I'm a citizen of the Gambia. One thing I feel about Gambia, it is like when you come into the Gambia, like people that be at the airport and begging people for money, they need to get rid of those people. Those people don't need to be there. We need more tourists in the Gambia, you know. When we having people like that at the airport, it's not good for the Gambia. They're going to be on the Internet and talk about it. So we need to get rid of those people at the airport. We don't need those people there. You know, when people arrive to the Gambia, they need to get home. They're tired and everything. They don't need stuff like that. People just be at the airport and just begging and just following people and trying to talk to them. Sometimes you don't even want to talk to them. You're tired. You want to get home. So why we need those people at the airport harassing people and stuff like that? That's not cool. That's not done. They need to do something about it. So they need to get rid of all those people. The airport is not for that. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, that's not cool. That's not done. Uh, the Information Minister, Ibrahim Asila, is already with me in the studio and uh, wearing a mask, unlike his boss. I'm also wearing a mask, and uh, here we go. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you, Peter. Ah, okay. No comment about your boss not wearing a mask. He always does. No, he doesn't always. Well, except when he is speaking on the mic sometimes. And when he is doing a lap of honor in the stadium, uh, enjoying the adulation of the crowd. Mm. Uh, we saw pictures of him, you know, on <clears throat> his vehicle, not wearing a mask. Funnily enough, everybody else below him mm -hmm. uh, was wearing a mask. Okay, I, I did not see... Is um, he immune the... from the coronavirus? Well, he is, he is particular about it. Is he? Yes. Okay, he should lead by example then. I keep saying, wherever he's seen in public, he must be seen 
wearing a mask. That's how you lead. You, you, you've seen Joe Biden. Mm. You don't see Joe Biden even on TV without a mask. So we want President Adama Baro to be a similar example, wearing a mask whenever he's seen in public. Okay, thank you. All right? Yeah. Including if he gets a second chance to relaunch his National People's Party. <laughs> All right. Let's tackle this one first. Uh, yeah. You know, beggars at the airport. <clears throat> well, I don't know what type of uh, beggars uh, the particular person was talking about. But Francis Mendy. Yes, Francis Mendy. If it is actually about people uh, who are causing so much um, discomfort to people you know, traveling in the, you know, into the country. I think uh, the, I remember the Ministry of uh, Tourism, actually uh, led by the minister himself. He's listening. He should be calling um, us. Once uh, had a very serious discussion mm. with uh, officials at the airport uh, about some of these issues. And um, I hope that uh, the relevant authorities at the airport can take uh, note of these things and then, you know, tackle them, you know, quickly because uh, forced experience is also very important for any country. Absolutely. Yeah. Today we are giving priority definitely to your uh, text messages. Uh, we always um, do less than we are able to do, uh, so we will try to keep uh, answers as short as possible, but definitely to the point. And uh, here's one we've not read since the 12th of January, and the person has insisted <laughs> that it be read uh, today, and I'm happy to uh, read. Actually, it's a, it's, it's, it's a three-in-one uh, question all the way from DRC, Democratic Republic of Congo. Gambians listen to this program from all parts of the world. My questions to the Ibrahimas are, unfortunately, we have only one of the two so far, uh, why are the police not putting their name tags on for easy identification by the public? Two, can't they advise that some vehicles uh, are tinted, built also, besides most traffickers use uh, government vehicles for transportation? A revelation of these uh, made at the TRRC. And the third part of the question is, why can't government impose the fine on people not wearing masks rather than imposing it on COVID-19 fake news, rather than going after people who are peddling false information about um, COVID-19, why not impose a fine on Peter Gomez, who flatly, or Adam Abaro, the president, who flatly refuses to wear a face mask? Well, the rules are there. Um, yes, I agree that uh, implementing them sometimes or enforcing them sometimes can be problematic. Um, I know that uh, the Ministry of uh, Health has been engaging uh, the Ministry of Interior on uh, enforcement uh, issues. Um, whether this will make uh, much difference is also something to be critically, I mean, uh, looked into. Because sometimes, I mean, uh, enforcing fines may be good, but it, they also come with their disadvantage. It works in Indonesia. Yeah. At first, they started by charging people ten dollars mm. and some tourists wouldn't pay yeah. and you know there's nothing you, you could do to them and they started forcing them to do push-ups mm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean it, it, it can work sometimes yeah. but uh, punishment can come in so many forms yes a fine yeah. is a punishment exactly yeah, yeah? okay so yeah. that's uh, that's the thing about fake news and um, 
sorry, COVID fake news yes. and uh, not wearing masks. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, Sankare has just joined us. He's wearing a mask. Uh, were you advised by your boss to wear a mask? I always wear my mask. You always wear your mask. Okay, <laughs> all right. Uh, the second part of the, uh, the question number two. Why not, um, uh, well, I think we've, we've, this one has been resolved. Yes, yes, Factory definitely. tinted vehicles uh, will remain. Yeah, will we'll, we'll remain you know, on charge. On charge. But, uh, because those... otherwise most of you in government would have to pay. Yes, yes. Because most of these cars you government people are ordering and using are all... Factory tinted. Yeah, why do you need to hide yourself when you drive around? You're supposed to be our servants. I don't understand <laughs> this. You know, we're supposed to see you. You know, and, and, and know whatever you are doing, whether you are in your cars or in your offices or, or anywhere. So that's well, been solved. Yes. Um, and then he says most traffickers actually use government vehicles. How do you react to that? So basically, well, I doubt whether it people, is. people connected with you are the traffickers. Well, people, <laughs> pe- people can say a lot of things, but uh, the word most, I doubt whether that is true. Mm-hmm. Um, I also know that, yes, at some point, I think... Uh, uh, some people were arrested with uh, drugs using government vehicles. Yes. Quite unfortunate. And in one case, this was during, during Jammes' time, yeah. a former colleague of mine at Radio Gambia, a driver, was caught driving an ambulance with sirens blaring. I'm sure somebody <laughs> must have tipped up the guys at Denton Bridge, yeah. the police. Okay. He was stopped, and the ambulance was not carrying a sick person, but mm. sacks of Jamba, Thai. Yeah. Yeah, this, the, these things occur. And so GGs could be ferrying drugs no, no. up and down the country. <laughs> well, they are rare cases, but uh, they do happen. <laughs> well, um, the, 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 the truth is this. I mean, uh, the law enforcement agencies actually are doing a lot <clears throat> to actually deal with some of these issues. And over the years, they have got a lot of experience in actually tracking some of these things and then, you know, arrest the, the, the offenders. All right. And the first part of the question, mm. uh, in which I would like to bring Sankare uh, after you, mm. why are the police not putting their name tags on for easy identification? Well, I, I always work with um, police, but to be honest, I have never okay. paid attention to okay. this. Uh, maybe... The, uh, the, the, the highest-ranking police I, officer in this country. Is I thought, a, is I a, thought is they a, have. Is I, a body of Sankare, no, no. Because normally I don't. I don't normally watch their shoulders or you know. They don't always have. Uh, yeah, okay. We're talking about consistency. All right. Okay. And worse, not only do they not have name tags, even their regiment numbers now they don't. Uh, you know, most of them don't, uh, don't don't sport. Uh, ah, okay. Sankare, this is uh, this is uh, this is this is up your alley, isn't it? Uh, anything and everything uh, police-related. Uh, what, what, what has Mamur told you about, um, uh, you know, his subordinates not um, wearing name tags? I suppose he, he always wears his, doesn't he? IGP. Yes. Oh, you don't want me calling him Mamur? Okay, IGP. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, he's busy sipping a coffee. No, no, no. Um, actually, it's tea, Peter. Oh, is it tea? Yeah, I'm not a coffee. Come on, there's a reason why I call it coffee. The program is coffee. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's uh, just, just exposed that <laughs> tea. is my cup of tea. <laughs> anyway, um, I think it's good to have um, ID, uh, ID badges for police. In the Gambia, I think most of the time they go by the numbers, you know. Yeah, but yeah. now they don't. 
Yeah, well, they, they identify themselves as uh, yellow 6167. Exactly. Yeah. Six Baji was very popular. Yeah, you know, so so maybe Mamur, I'm sure, will, he, yes. will, he will respond to this. He maybe, will. Either okay. today or maybe by next week, or maybe if there is a program to actually cater for some of these uh, demands. You know, our numbers, if you have a question for Sankare or Silla uh, on general governance issues, uh, 77-11599 or 9910959, or those of you uh, outside the country using WhatsApp, uh, 9232333. Those are our numbers. Uh, Peter, there is this Iveco concrete mixing truck that keeps on pouring concrete on the Brikama Highway. That is Tabokoto to Churchillstown. I was able to follow, up to, the, to follow it up to the new jar oil at Churchillstown. Uh, no rumors, no speculation, factual report. So what about it? What's the question? I don't get the question, so let's move on to another one who might have um, a question. Peter, I'm really disappointed with Ibrahima's comments at the President's Meet the People tour in Combo South. We should graduate from politics of character assassination. Were you, were you assassinating anybody's character? Well, I think, I mean, he is the guilty party here because uh, if he is disappointed, what yeah. I said was very clear. What did you say? I, I mean, those who were going around, I mean, character assassinating innocent people and associating them with all sorts of things, that's what I talked about. If he is offended by that, and you know, I, I, I want to believe probably he could be one of those <laughs> that are actually doing that type of thing. Mm. Okay. Somebody saying, uh, good morning, gents. Uh, you can all get a pat on the back wearing masks. However, I visited, and uh, he cites two GSM companies and was forced to wear a mask before entering uh, their buildings. Same, he says, as banks. Why then can I get into public transport without wearing a mask or supermarkets? So the banks force you to wear a mask before mm. they, you know, uh, yeah. before you get any service. Yes. GSM companies, apparently. Mm. Uh, but supermarkets, you can just walk in without a mask and, you, you know, you get service. The funny thing is, when I was in Germany, mm -hmm. it was the supermarkets that first refused people yes. access, mm -hmm. you know, without, uh, without a mask. A mask. Yeah, that's true. Uh, well, um, the general orders on uh, face mask, actually, especially access to some of these places, is that uh, you should put on a face mask. Uh, I don't know whether it is enforced in all the supermarkets, but I remember one of them on uh, the Bartil Hardin Highway I, last weekend. I wanted to get in, and I left my mask in the car. I just forgot it. Then they told me that you have to put on a mask. Oh, so I had to rush to the car. They didn't recognize you as Minister of Information? Not many people recognize me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Another Peter Gomez. Another Peter Gomez. Hey, oh yeah, I can. Hey, bro, Randall Foley and Anderson. Yeah. And then, and then I say, man, I'm not going to papa. Man, I'm not going to Can you ask your guests to please tell us what the impact of the think tank in the Gambia has been since its formation. We are aware of its creation, mm. but its effect has not been felt. What do you know about the think tank? I, the last time I had any engagement with them was 2017, when I was DGGRTS, mm. because then they came to do some uh, you know, discussion on the TV. 
Um, since then, I have not heard about them. But I think uh, it's the same agency or institution that was uh, kind of transformed into the um, unit that is now under the office of the president to look at our oh, policy. So it's, it's no more known as think tank. I think they have now the uh, policy, development policy, whatever. I can't remember the name. Okay. Okay. Somebody very... Um, I'm, yeah. I'm not sure, but uh, that's what I told, because okay. they are almost doing the same thing anyway, looking at government policy to ensure synergy and also implementation strategies and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah. I think you need to buy this guy a cup of, uh, of coffee. Yeah. These are the best ministers in the world, referring to you and um, uh, Silla. Sorry, you and Sankare. Sankare. Yes. Thank you. Uh, good morning, Peter. We, the Gambians, uh, can please forget this government and do something for our own good, because mm -hmm. this government is not serious about this pandemic. There is this perception that um, mm -hmm. uh, this government has not done enough, uh, you know, to fight COVID-19 in the country, and that, um, you know, you're not showing leadership that mm -hmm. people can, you know, fall behind. I don't know what qualifies enough to satisfy anyone, but uh, what I do know is that uh, government has been in the forefront uh, in the fight against COVID. Uh, we have uh, actually done a lot. Um, the sensitization efforts, the capacity building of uh, the people in the sector, the healthcare, um, the um, efforts to ensure that, uh, you know, the people are with us in the fight against the, the, the virus and everything. So those things, those things are there. Mm. Um, we may not get everything right because, uh, like, Every new infectious disease, I mean, uh, you are bound to have uh, challenges in, in, in containing and you know, tackling it. No, but I think by, by, by and large, no, people, are the, the sector, the, people are faulting the government for effort. I mean, nobody is saying the government... Yeah, know. but that's what I say. All these are important efforts mm. that, uh, you know, government, you know, has taken. If you look at, uh, you know, the issue of uh, availability of uh, the relevant... Uh, government, I mean, uh, activities in terms of, you know, tackling the health care, the, 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 that is there. The policies have been initiated, and then, you know, we are working with those Okay, you know, so government has, a, government has a policy on, uh, or a protocol on, on, on public gathering. Yes. And you put, what, 100,000 people in, in Bacau? At least, uh, you know, a third of that in, in the independent stadium? Mm. And then the president shows yeah, yeah, up, but we, you know, uh, not sporting a mask? No, I, I, I saw the president with a mask, you know, because I was sitting... I have a picture of him without a mask. But maybe that was when he was speaking. Well, no. He couldn't have been speaking, uh, standing up, um, you know, in his car. And the, 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 the security all around him, you know, below him... So because, you know, when he, wa when, when he was uh, <clears throat> coming, I yes. mean, actually, unfortunately, we, we were far from he that He's not one. called the father of the nation hmm. for nothing. As a father... You are the first role model. So if I we agree. are saying everybody should wear a mask, we should see our dad, our father, our papa, whatever you want to call him. But that's wear, very uncommon wear, of wear President Barrow. That's very uncommon of President Barrow. I know that um, 
all the public gatherings that I've attended with him, I mean, actually, he, 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 he always wear a mask. He just needs to make one mistake, and that is the one that will stick, you know, in the minds yes. of, of, of people. He, he, he wore the mask um, at, the, at the independent stadium, except when he stood um, at the podium. That was the time he unmasked. And I remember when he walked back to the stage, he, he quickly put on the mask again. So, right, let's, let's, so, let's, so people take advantage of the interregnum, you know, the space. And they take those pictures. Likewise, they have also done something similar. You know, everybody here, even if you are visually impaired, mm. people have felt. If you not if you not seen it, you've had the rhythm mm. and the and, and the and, and the circumstance that actually occurred at the Independent Stadium on Saturday. But even after that, they waited until when the president was being greeted by these seas of people who actually left the pavilion and came, you know on the ground, they took advantage of that and then took snapshots of the empty pavilions and then this is what they actually catapulted overseas and said this tells you how unpopular the president is that people were not coming. Yeah, I mm -hmm. thought that was really funny. Yes. That was really, really No, it's, it's not only funny but it's, it's actually, it's actually shameful, shameful, Peter, yeah. that, that people in this day and age yeah. could, could, could just, you know... Because we started out seeing pavilions yeah. you know, chock-a-block with people mm -hmm. and that was uh, bandied around as showing the irresponsibility of the president, so mm -hmm. he cannot then immediately turn the next minute yeah. and be that he, he spoke to an empty stadium. Yeah, yeah. So in, I couldn't see the logic. In, in America, it's called political flip-flopping. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. you neither mm -hmm. here nor there. Yeah. And don't, at the end of the day, you carry no Don't use that word. It's been used on your president a number of times. You know. That well, but that's what it is. You know, <laughs> if, Peter, if my president flip-flops and is talked about, if other people flip-flop, it ought to be talked about. Mm -hmm. Of course, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, please, Uncle Peter, I want you to make one request to the Ibrahimas, which is to bring Dr. Tangara and Mambure to the studio. <laughs> You're almost choking on your tea, eh? Is that, is that asking to, to move mountains? No, I mean, it's, it's possible. I think you have had Mambure before, didn't you? No. Oh, no. Never okay. had. Never had. Okay. The when best I would get from him is a text message acknowledging, you know, my greeting or something. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's not bad. Yeah, well, I mean, we, 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 we want them on the program. Actually, last week we got the trade minister, mm. and we're trying to get another minister this morning. Well, actually, the yes. defense minister okay. will join us momentarily oh, and right. update us on the economic uh, story. Fantastic. And all this thing with mm. Senegal, yeah. secret, uh, you know, uh, accord signed and, and whatever. Mm. Okay. Uh, good morning, Uncle Peter. I want to ask the two Ibrahimas. In the COVID-19 everyday 26, 25, 40, but today 49 new cases. I suppose um, yeah. you're seeing a progression you yes. know, in, 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 the, in the numbers. Yes, sir. we are seeing the... But we don't seem to, to show any care. No, we, we are seeing the progress on, in, in, in the numbers, but also we are seeing that a number of people are coming out to be tested. Because if you look at this particular figure, I think uh, the number of uh, people who were tested was 960-something. Uh, so naturally, it seems the more people we test, yes. the more the numbers will also increase. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And 49, actually, we should uh, qualify, uh, was gathered over three days. Three days, yes. Yeah? It's not yeah. like one day they you know, mm. got 49. Yes. Uh, because, I mean, for three days we had gone without a report, so I contacted Sankano and said, look, when is the 258th situation report coming out? And uh, moments later, you know, he shared with me. You didn't share with me this time. 
No, I mean, you know, <laughs> if he does, it's you, okay. Usually I will get from both of you. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> it's, it's the same report. So. Two, two for the price of one. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay. Hi, Peter. Tell Ibrahima. I have two Ibrahimas, so which of them? Anyway, I know who, which, which, which one. I tell, tell Ibrahima, Gamtel is dying gradually, mm-hmm. and he is busy defending Barrow on radios and TVs. He is not <laughs> focusing on his priority as a minister. Uh-huh. For Sankare, he should be sacked because he is not doing anything good for this government. Let's start with you, Sankare. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, that's his opinion. If I should be sacked, you know. Okay. <laughs> you know, Peter, I'm not going to sit here mm-hmm. and agonize over some trivia. If, if some citizen mm-hmm. feels that I should be sacked, mm-hmm. I can bet you that citizen mm-hmm. has, has formed his mental framework long time, from the day I got this job. Mm-hmm. There are people from day one that mm-hmm. I was appointed. They thought I was in America. Mm-hmm. I'm an American citizen. I have been away for many years. Yet, Peter, mm-hmm. I have contributed more towards the liberation of this Gambia than many of these zealots who sit in political bureaus pounding their chests, pretending that they were the people who slaughtered or slew the, the, the lions. You know, so that's all I have to do. You know, even if you haven't seen me like the Wallace would say, mm-hmm. at least you've heard me. Mm-hmm. I know I have contributed my little quarter mm-hmm. towards this country. And history will remember mm-hmm. what I did for this Gambia. All right. Yeah. This is for Ibrahim. Oh, sorry. Let's, let's, hear, let's hear you defend yourself against the allegation that uh, instead, of, instead of saving Gamtel and other institutions under you, yes. supposedly Gamtel, you are busy defending Barrow on radios and television stations, not doing your job, not prioritizing <laughs> what should be your priority. Well, talking about uh, President Barrow and his government is also part of my uh, you know, uh, daily work. Um, yes, Gamtel, Gamsel uh, are part of uh, the, or under the Ministry of Information and Communication Infrastructure, which I lead. But I can tell the uh, texter that uh, we have started doing a lot of things to rescue these two companies from uh, the bad situation that we found them in. And uh, we are hopeful that uh, they will pay dividends. It will take time because uh, this will require really bold you know, steps. And we have almost taken those decisions. And I think we are almost halfway mm. into resolving some of those issues. Mm-hmm. They are not tangible because you cannot it's not like road construction where when you start the work, you see immediately. But uh, I guess, I mean, uh, anyone who is a keen observer would see that uh, some improvements have been made, especially... Where have you done, imp- done improvements? Well, I mean, uh, first, uh, when, we, when we came in, uh, mm-hmm. the situation that we found uh, Gamtel Gamsel in was... Financial uh, situation? Not only financial situation, but uh, a whole lot of things. I mean, uh, the infrastructure of both institutions. So new uh, infrastructure has been no, built? No, right? have been, been built. Okay, so they until been now, built. these are all I mean, part uh, of plans, yeah? Unless, you know, you see them, you know, finally, mm-hmm. because this is uh, Yeah, but infra- infrastructure is tangible. It's yeah, those are tangible. See, yeah. I mean, but you have to start with uh, something first before you talk about the infrastructure. Yeah, something like what? You have to, you That's have why I asked whether it was financial in nature. No, financial is, is part of it. It's a whole package because uh, at some point, you know, even government had to come in to, to, to rescue. I mean, uh, we know that... Uh, because what we are hearing seems mm. to be the reverse, that every, uh, you know, all the revenue being generated is going straight to State House. No, that's not true. I mean, uh, actually, that was what we found. 
you know, that was the situation that we found in, in, in both and you've, institutions. You've, you've reversed that situation? There is no... All money is made by that, GAMTEL, is administered by, uh, by GAMTEL? There is no GAMTEL, GAMSEL fund now that is going to the state. That I can tell you. I mean, uh, initially, the gateway that they control, mm -hmm. I mean, uh, yes, those funds were paid into a special account in the central bank. Mm -hmm. What we have done, because mm -hmm. when the new government came in, the gateway administrator, I mean, uh, which was um, actually owned, partly owned by some Gambians and partly foreigners, you know, they, they removed the equipment, and Gamtel could effectively not do this thing. Mm -hmm. And as a result, in fact, no money was even there to be, to be paid to the state. Mm -hmm. So now we have liberalized that, and all other operators have their gateways that are now monitored collectively by Pura. Mm -hmm. And now what they are all doing right now is that they are paying their contributions accordingly and regularly. Okay, all right. I must be out by 10. Uh, Peter, what is the status of the CT scanners? Please, people are determined to keep mm. the issue of, you know, these CT scans on the agenda yes. until we are sure that either brand new machines have been bought or both of them uh, in the Serekunda and Banjul hospitals have been fixed. Well, until, I, until the last program, we mm, heard only the one Banjul, in Banjul had been yes, fixed. Serekunda yes. is still without a CT scan. Maybe I can... Uh, text Modunjai. Uh, he will tell you he's on leave. We tried to yeah, speak I know. to him He's, he's started time. the leave yesterday. Yeah, we tried but, to speak to him the last time and he said he was in the process of going on leave. But, uh, well, Somebody's I mean, employed, he's in the process of going on leave, cannot give an interview. Well, it's just to give us uh, an update whether All right. the, the, the one in Serakunda is fixed or is being fixed. All right, back with the two Ibrahimas. Ibrahim Asila, the Minister of Information and Communication Infrastructure, and Ibrahim Sankare, the uh, Gambia government spokesman, uh, in about, what, 10, 11, 12 minutes, because right now we're heading into um, OIC uh, focus, and that will give us time to uh, have a coffee or two and a bit of mono, for those who care about mono, and then come back, uh, yeah, re-energize. The Gambia may be the smallest country in Africa, but it will host the second largest gathering of world leaders in 2022 to successfully host the OIC summit. The government of the Gambia set up OIC Gambia to mobilize resources for the implementation of key development and infrastructure projects on a scale never seen before. 20 new roads will be constructed across the country and the Bertel Harding Highway will be expanded into a dual carriage highway of two lanes on each side from the airport to Sting Corner. All people in the Gambia deserve clean water and a constant flow of electricity. Therefore, an entirely new water system will be constructed, including new transmission and distribution networks to meet the increasing demand. In order to provide a more reliable supply of electricity, the OIC Gambia project will replace and double the capacity of the Nawak transformers and overhead electric cables. We will equip the police with modern apparatus and technical training in an effort to keep the streets of the Gambia safe. OIC Gambia, building today for a better tomorrow. Banjul Shipyard Company Limited, a subsidiary of the Gambia Ports Authority. The Banjul Shipyard Company Limited specializes in marine services, such as shipbuilding, repairs and maintenance of vessels of all categories. We do marine diving services, production of diving oxygen for sale, inspection of underwater parts of vessels and many more. 
our shipwright was. Apart from the uh, two Ibrahimas in the studio, we are hoping to catch up with the Minister of Defense. We are also hearing, rather unfortunately, that one of uh, prominent schools in this country has had a case of coronavirus. We're trying to get through to the principal, but of course you can understand that uh, the school management has been evasive. We will do our best, but there, is, there has been at least one case of coronavirus infection in a top school in the Gambia. And, um, of course, all your text messages to uh, 7711599 or 9910959 or 9232333 for your WhatsApp messages. In the meantime, over now to the OIC Gambia Secretariat at Bigelow to link up with Ndai Kumbademba for her weekly OIC Gambia Focus. A very warm good morning to you, Peter, and good morning to our listeners. Thank you for following us on yet another edition of the OIC Gambia Focus on Coffee Time with Peter Gomez. This morning, I am joined by Mr. Kabiro Jamme, Project Manager, Airport Improvement Project, and we'll be talking about the VVIP lounge at the Banjul International Airport. Good morning, Mr. Jamme, and welcome to the program. Thank you, madam. Thank you. Uh, in August last year, the Gambia OIC Secretariat, in collaboration with the Ministry of Transport, Works and Infrastructure and the Gambia Civil Aviation Authority, announced the recruitment of Netherlands Airport Consultants, NACO, as the consultant firm for the design and supervision of the construction of the ultra-modern VVIP lounge at the Banjul International Airport ahead of the 2022 summit. Um, how far into the process are we? Yes, thank you very much, and uh, thank you for giving me the audience. Uh, we've, like you lightly mentioned, we've signed with the Netherlands Airport Consultants as the design engineers for the construction and supervision of the VIP presidential launch at Bangalore International Airport. At this stage, we have uh, received the um, preliminary design and we are waiting for the final design. Already they've sent their, uh, their preliminary design, which we have looked in, uh, looked at with the stakeholders, uh, being the Office of the President, the Minister of Foreign Affairs, and the OIC Secretariat. And we've done our review, sent their comments and observations, which will be uh, input into the final design. Mm -hmm. And in uh, two weeks' time, uh, we'll receive the final design for the, for the, for the VIP. Talking about the preliminary um, design, the NACO is working with its Gambian um, counterpart under the city scrape of the Gambia. Um, what facilities or amenities are going to be available in this new VVIP lounge? The, it, like you mentioned, it's ultra-modern. And uh, if you come to the airport, already we have a VIP. But this one we are building is uh, bigger and also in terms of facilities. The facilities will be more modern. The, uh, we have a special allocation for interior design, and uh, that will ensure that it uh, fits both uh, the government uh, you know, culture into consideration, as well as some aspects of the OIC uh, member countries, like the, you know, the Arab countries. So that, uh, I mean, that will make it look like uh, um, uh, I mean, a holistic design that will take all of that into consideration. Yes, so it's, it's bigger and in, this, in terms of the floor area, 
but it's also going to be uh, more facilities. It's going to be, um, uh, uh, you know, the OIC member countries. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's, it's a large gathering. They're saying it's, it's, it's only next to the UN in terms of uh, numbers. So it's going to be really, you know, a big. Already we've seen the design and it really look, looks good. And I'm sure once it's implemented, uh, you know, people will see a very, very good structure uh, that will fit the purpose for the OIC. So um, just for um, being specific, we would also expect to see, let's say, um, presidential lounge, press rooms, and all other facilities we would find in an ultra-modern VVIP lounge. Yes, in, uh, in the interior it will have uh, uh, a, a special seat for the president. Mm -hmm. It will also have, you know, a reserve. Uh, a reserve in the event because it's OIC. We are expecting many delegations. So, like, if like, the president is attending to a particular uh, president or king, and there is another on arrival, mm -hmm. how do you handle the two? So it will have that facility. It will also have a press room. It will have uh, a facility for the ministers. It will also have facility for high delegations and also some security considerations in terms of people coming in and out of the building, um, uh, detective materials for, for, for like X-ray materials and all of that. So uh, as well as a pre area, you know, because OIC is, you know, Islamic State. So therefore we will have to factor that also. So it will have a prayer room as well. Yes. It will, on the on the outside, we'll have a, in a parking. We'll have a parking for the president and also a parking for the ministers and delegations. So basically, those are the two interior and also the outside. We'll have a parking and we'll also have a link, a pavement linking the VIP to the apron, and uh, to ensure that uh, when delegates arrive, they can walk on the red carpet from the aircraft right into the building. Talk about um, ultra-modern facility. It seems like everything is captured for um, the VVIP launch ahead of the 2022 summit. Now let's talk about um, the VVIP launch in combination with the Saadauda Karabakh Jaura International Conference Center and the benefits it would provide in positioning Gambia as a go-to destination for conferences. Yes, that's that's very important, and uh, the facility we have now is uh, specifically and purposely for VIP, meaning we only use it when the president is traveling or receiving delegates. Now, but this one we are building for the OIC, we want to make it multi-purpose, so that not only for the you know, presidential movement, but also for VIP movements. That means when the, the, a, a minister, for example, or the delegates uh, or, or VIP personnel, people with diplomatic passports are traveling, they're going to use the facility. So, you know, you know that, will, that will help a lot, it, uh, you know, in terms of the congesting the, uh, the main terminal we have, but also promoting the VIPs to, to the class that they belong. You know, so that's, that's also important. When they, you know, VIPs travel into the country, they will not go through the terminal. They'll use this facility. That is after the conference, I mean. Right. So they'll use this terminal as their... Uh, processing area in and out of the country. So I think that will help also so that for conferences in the in the Sadawa Kairaba Conference Center, people coming for the meeting, you know, through the protocols uh, from the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, they can use the, uh, the, the VIP launch as their uh, in the processing area 
in and out of the country. Mm. Yes. That will be very critical as far as international conferences um, are concerned and the Gambia's ability to host um, international conferences. Now, let's talk about um, timelines. As with all OIC projects, um, time is, ve- is very important and is of the essence here. We are, we are ahead of all the projects, all the OIC projects. So far, we are ahead. And uh, that is because we have a special advantage. And that was uh, when these uh, projects were realized. Uh, at the time, we already had the airport improvement project on the rehabilitation of the terminal. And we had a contractor and consultant. So what we did was to negotiate with the, the Saudi fund, who are the funders for the project, that instead of going into the normal process of tendering, they allow us to uh, negotiate with the same team of contractor and consultant. So it was approved on some on some conditions. So that gave us, you know, uh, the, the jump uh, to go straight into negotiation, assign the you know the the, the, the consultancy, and you know very soon into the implementation with the contractor. So we are ahead of uh, all the contractors, and uh, by the schedule we have, we should be receiving the uh, final design uh, by, by the 12th of February. And uh, after that, we'll just go uh, with, with the administrative process of getting the no objection approvals from the Office of the President, Minister of Foreign Affairs, uh, OIC Secretary, and the Saudi Forum. And uh, hopefully in March, we should break, uh, break the ground for the implementation to start. So and, uh, we're looking at um, uh, 12 months maximum for implementation. So by March 2020, the project will be commissioned. So essentially, this process has given you at least a few months jump start. Definitely, yes. It has. It has. It has. And finally, what would be like parting words here on the OIC Gambia Focus as it helps us to reassure the general public that the OIC and all its projects are on track? Yes, we are on track. We want to assure the general public. And uh, we also, uh, of course, uh, the, our area of intervention really has little to do with the project. We're not going to have so much interference with the, with the public. So that is uh, you know, really comforting for us. But of course, we want to show uh, the general public that uh, we know this project will be implemented on time and it will benefit the country greatly. Mm-hmm. Definitely, it will contrib- um, uh, contribute uh, greatly to the promotion of the, you know, the tourism, mm-hmm. the Sadoda Conference Center, and uh, the image of the country at large. Mm-hmm. If you Thank you very much. That was Mr. Kabiru Jame, Project Manager, Airport Improvement Project. Thank you very much, and over back to you, uh, Peter. Thank you very much, Ndeikumba uh, Demba, uh, live from the OIC Gambia Secretariat at Bijilo, bringing our time to 11 minutes past 9 o'clock. The two Ibrahimas are with me in the studio. One is a minister, the other one is the government spokesman. We have a third guest on the telephone line. He too is a minister, but uh, as they say, let's uh, patronize our sponsors, ECOWAS Brown Card. The ECOWAS Brown Card scheme is an extension of domestic motor third-party liability insurance covers within the ECOWAS sub-region. The scheme was established by the Protocol on Free Movement of Goods and Persons across ECOWAS national boundaries to facilitate economic integration. Each ECOWAS member state therefore has a national office coordinating its activities. So in the event of an accident with another ECOWAS motorist, immediately contact the National Bureau of the country where the accident occurs. You are guaranteed immediate assistance and payment of any civil liability claim arising from the accident. 
The contact details of all national bureaus are at the back of the ECOWAS bound card certificate. For more information, please contact National Bureau ECOWAS bound card insurance scheme at 10 C Nelson Mandela Street, Banjul, or telephone 4201637-707104 or email info at ecowasboundcard.gm or samsehu at msn.com. Twelve and a half minutes past nine o'clock. Coffee time with Peter Gomez live on West Coast Radio 92.1. Now, last week, we talked a lot about um, the reported imminent transformation of the economic forces into a police mission. That is, at the end of this year, we spoke to the ECOWAS ambassador in the Gambia who doubles as the commander of the economic force, and she told us that um, ECOWAS is not trying to station an occupation force in the Gambia. So what are Gambian authorities saying about this new arrangement, supposedly requested by our president, President Barrowell? His defense minister is a man I went to school with. We were uh, friends for years and years. Uh, Sheikh Omar Fai, good morning. Good morning. Good to have you on the show. We understand, um, you know, there's clarification needing to be made about um, public perception of ECOMIG and the uh, police mission that is supposed to succeed it in 2022. What's the clarification? Okay, thank you for having me, Peter, and thank you to Ibrahimas for always being in the front line to share with our people. And uh, what I want to say is going to be very brief, if you would allow me. Sure. That when we needed ECOMIG, they came in through that UN resolution 2337 and uh, all Gambians, both in the country and in the diaspora, applauded and praised them that they have come to stand by us to make sure that we maintain the peace that we are known for. Everything went well. ECOMIC came in and they had their programs into phases. The first phase was the um, phase that they will come, what was called the intervention phase which was successfully completed. Now they are on the stabilization phase, and hopefully the third phase will be the withdrawal phase. And uh, this is what we are working on that has given the opportunity for our armed forces to continue to restructure, to reorganize, and get ready to take over and continue to protect the sovereignty and territorial integrity of this great country. Um, about With regards to the police force, these are recommendations by ministers of foreign affairs and defense and other stakeholders to the presidents. Basically, they are only recommendations. We have to cross the bridge when we get to it. As far as we're concerned, we want to thank ECOMIC. We want to thank all these people for being around, giving us time to get our house in order and uh, spending all their resources that nothing came from our coffers, and we thank, we thank them. So I, I would want us to wait, and uh, these are just recommendations. This is not something that may, that may not even happen. They figured they want to keep the Gambia in peace. ECOWAS don't want to repeat some of the mistakes they have done around in, the, in West Africa to, to hurriedly pulled out, and uh, they figured the Gambia should be continue to be the beacon of hope and a peaceful country, and they want to stand by us. That's, that's all what's going on. With all this... Um, politics going on, national security is, should be kept away from the, the political ping-pong and gimmicks going around. These are very serious businesses, and we have to praise our armed forces. We have to thank our folks for, for agreeing to wear this uniform to, to protect our country. 
maybe I will stop and listen if you have any question. Okay, so effectively you are saying at the end of 2021, ECOMIC will pull out of the Gambia. Whether we go on now to, uh, you know, now face life with an ECOMIC police mission, that is highly questionable. Those are recommendations and okay. the presidents and the Gambia, actually the Gambia, president of the republic, and commander-in-chief in this country and all Gambians will look at it again and see, do we need a police force mm. or do we say thank you thank you and get our folks to to take over and step up to the plate that will be a decision that the president of the republic with his government will make and of course the gambian population but first and foremost it has to be established that it was the president of the republic of the gambia who made the request for the police mission in the first place that is correct these are recommendations the okay. Is that now being walked back because a member of the National Assembly said that a police mission from ECOWAS will never be stationed in this country until it is approved by the National Assembly? Well, I will leave that guy speak for himself. I will, I will speak as Minister of Defense for the Executive, and uh, we are watching everything. We are happy with the progress that is going on. We're now putting up a defense policy where there are lots of things going on. And, 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 speaking as, and speaking as Minister of Defense, Sheikh Omar Fai is saying that we do not need a police mission after 2021 in the Gambia. Actually, it will be premature for me to say that. I'm just saying that we are looking at the, the, the factors, we are looking at the ground, we are looking at the defense space. And when the time comes, we will make a decision as a country under the leadership of President Adam Abarov. But we thank um, the ECOWAS for, for having that, you know, big consideration for this country that they want to keep us in peace. And, hey, we have a police force for you. And it is for us now to say, yes, come in or no thanks. That will be a decision to be made whether we get there. Okay. But we thank them for the recommendation. People also, you know, keep questioning what kind of... Uh, security arrangements we have with Senegal. I mean, there have been further incursions into the Gambia by Senegalese troops, Senegalese rangers, anyway, armed uh, security men from Senegal into our country when we don't do same to them. Here we have a diplomat who's been recalled facing, you know, uh, alleged sex crimes in the Gambia. We won't pursue that person in Senegal, whereas there is the likelihood that if this had happened with a Gambian, they would come in here and extract the person from here. So what kind of security arrangement, very quickly, do we have with Senegal? Okay, thank you, Peter. That one with regards to the diplomat, I would leave our friend and brother at the foreign ministry to take care of that. Yes, if you can get him to talk to us, please, maybe before the end of the okay, program. Okay, maybe you have the two Ibrahimas, pretty <laughs> powerful guys. I'm sure Tangara is a fine man, and he's been busy running around. I'm sure... He will, he will shed light on some of these things. He is always on, on top of the game. But coming back to your question, is that um, some of the arrangements were in place since 1965 when the Gambia, uh, on Sadaud Jawara had these defense pact agreements with uh, the late Leopard Senegal, Senegal. But the new arrangements came into place when the new government came in 2017. Uh, a lot of things needs to be worked out. Two wrongs cannot make a right. Anytime they do something wrong, the diplomats are on to tell them that we need to respect uh, the territorial integrity of this country and uh, we, they should restrain their troops. We want Gambia to live in peace and to be a respected country. And I'm sure things are being worked out at the diplomatic level. If agreements are entered into by governments for the good of their people, why is it that 
agreements entered into by our government are never publicized. They are never put out there for the public to, to see. These are things that are need. These are things needs to be operationalized. They need to be to be talked about and arranged by commanders at different levels. You have the chief of defense staff of the Gambia in touch with the chief of defense staff of Senegal, and they are working out the modalities. Some of these agreements are not yet confirmed in place. People are just jumping the gun, but the, the troops on the ground, the commanders are putting the mechanisms and the frameworks in place, and I'm sure as soon as they're ready, it will be known by all Gambians. All right. Shah Omar Fai, Minister of Defense of the Republic of the Gambia, thank you very much. I appreciate it, Peter. Thanks again, and keep up the good work, my friend. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Good to have your colleagues on the show, Silan. Uh, sure. Sorry. As, as, the, as the defense minister was responding to your questions, um, you, you made uh, a very significant contribution by way of questioning uh, or by way of a statement, and I thought that was a very crucial irony. Which one? That uh, a member of parliament has vowed that uh, if the economic forces were to stay, he, he was going to make sure that... Uh, you know, it was litigated somehow before the National Assembly. Um, it just reminds I me. I made that statement, I didn't. I said well, that you didn't use the word litigate. That's no, 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 no. I said okay, yeah. for any police mission to be stationed here, they yeah. need the approval of the National Assembly. That's what I said. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. That's basically, I'm just paraphrasing in a different way. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. those are not my words. Your words. Yeah, right? if, if it is going to go before the National Assembly, naturally, Peter, it has to be debated and litigated okay. at the National Assembly. That's my own language. Anyway, um, the, the crucial irony is that uh, in the wake-up or in the build-up to the economic forces, the irony of history is that it was the same National Assembly people a different National Assembly, though, uh, that uh, actually um, hijacked this constitution, this state, and wanted to subvert the will of the Gambian people. Well, we're in the now. No, that's what I'm saying. Now. So uh, yeah. don't take us no, back, no, I'm, I'm, no, it is, you, no, all, you no. all want us to believe that we, we are in a new Gambia. Well, it's, it? a, it's a crucial historical irony that uh, an assembly had, had, had worked to, 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 to pervert the course of justice in the Gambia, and yet now we have a democratic dispensation where an assembly really is thinking right, is saying that everything has to be constitutionally litigated, and that's what is expected of a national assembly. Uh, in other words, I'm just trying to make a very significant historical observation, you know, and that is a period of stock-taking. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, uh, Tangara, if you're listening, uh, just send us a text message to say, call me, it's okay, and before you know, uh, we'll be putting you uh, on the air. Hello, Peter, how can we really help decongest our roads uh, by taking out all derelict vehicles or vehicles just parked obstructing traffic? Well, that's, that, that's Sankara's uh, favorite uh, point, isn't it? Yeah. Well. I mean, <laughs> Um, yes, I mean, it's a concern, Peter. I, I am also equally concerned about this because in this country, I mean, especially in the greater Bangal area, wherever you go, you have uh, derelict vehicles parked everywhere, and they are sometimes a big problem to the free flow of traffic. Yeah, and in fact, um, honestly, for me, they even pose a security threat exactly. because you have all these derelict vehicles. There is one, actually, Peter, that is lying limbo uh, by the, uh, the place they call um, the roundabout, the turn table, the Sukuda the turn table going to, going to Burfood. Yeah. Just a um, few meters on the left, there is a, uh, an old American school bus, mm -hmm. uh, activity bus, that is lying you know, live in, in limbo by a gas station mm -hmm. and, and is increasingly, you know, being, you know, 
Yeah, I don't know, whatever English. You know. uh, yeah, but it's, it's so bad. And, and now even you have homeless people who go and sleep into that vehicle, and it's next to a petrol station, you know. So it's even a security threat, you know. You can just imagine yeah, the ominous political, ominous, you know, catastrophe that can come out of, you know, that, uh, that, that, that uh, you know, all, you know, bus, you know, with uh, homeless people and sick people who could just take a cigarette and light something, and, yeah. you know, an inferno. Uh, of enormous, you know. You know, you mentioned uh, petrol station. Yeah. Uh, this is from Saul Mbenga. You know him very well. Uh, the recent Castle petrol station fire is serious cause for concern, especially uh, new constitutions. Uh, surprisingly, while driving by speed station by Manjai Junction yesterday morning, I saw police and fire officials doing inspection of fire extinguishers. Hope this becomes the norm and not reactionary uh, moves. Yeah I, yeah, I hope so, too. Okay, all right. Uh, good morning, Uncle Peter. Can you ask the information minister whether the Minister of Health has not lost his authority in the fight against COVID-19 as his efforts are being compromised by his boss? No, I disagree. I mean, uh, Dr. Samate, the Honorable Minister of Health, is totally in charge and that um, he is supported not only by the president but the entire executive and uh, senior directors at his ministry. Okay. Um, Sankara, I need, you, I need you to clarify this. Was Samate at the, at, the, at the stadium on Saturday? No, no, he wasn't. He, was, he wasn't the only minister who was absent anyway. So, okay. you know, maybe he had some order. Yeah, because a lot of people were saying that, um, you know, it was so irresponsible of him because based on the assumption that all cabinet ministers who were in the country at the time uh, congregated with him at the Independent Stadium. So Samate was not one of the No, the Minister of Basic Education, Madam Cloniana Cole, didn't come. Mm -hmm. The Minister of Works, Bailamin Job, wasn't there, mm -hmm. so including Dr. Samate. So, I mean, uh, it wasn't actually compulsory that he has to be there. He had maybe, I'm sure, more, 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 more urgent, more present state issues to, to, to deal with, particularly given the fact that he's the captain of the ship of this uh, fight against the, the, the coronavirus that has dominated every life and facet and fiber of Gambian life. That is very true. Coffee time with Peter Gomez, live on West Coast Radio 92.1 with Ibrahim Silla and Ibrahim Sankara. Hi, Uncle Peter. Can you please ask the minister, will there be, when will there be a lift um, on the recruitment embargo for security for the security sector, we, because we are in an election year. I don't know, you know, why that is important. <laughs> well, I don't. Do they know. want all the security forces to vote for Adam Abaro? <laughs> well, I don't know, but um, <laughs> <laughs> this is a difficult question because I'm not in charge of uh, that particular sector. I have no information on that. Maybe I will. If this text actually came in much earlier, exactly. it would have been good to ask the yeah. defense minister. Yeah. I think he can still call and then clarify. I think it's yes. a very important question. Good morning, Peter. Can you ask the two E's? How comes the interhouse uh, schools are suspended on health grounds while a bigger event that pulled way more crowds went ahead? That is the NPP launching. Is this how a serious government operates? Interhouse school sports. Um, I'm, I'm not aware that uh, it is, uh, you know, suspended. Uh, You're not aware? It, it came up last week. Yeah, yeah. but uh, officially I'm not aware of it. I know Botrop yeah. recently mm. had their interhouse. Okay. Yes. Okay. But in principle, yes. In principle, interhouse, let's say was, <laughs> is banned for 2021. Mm. Now the argument is, if Barrow and you folks 
and tens of thousands, you know, gray-wearing people, you know, could congregate in one place. How many hours did you spend at the stadium? I understand some people were in the stadium by 10 in the morning. <laughs> well, I, the official start of the event actually was 1, 1 p.m. Actually, the announcement said 2 p.m. Well, so, yeah. so, so you were there before, before 2 p.m.? No, actually, I was there around 4. Around 4. Yeah. And uh, when did the president leave the stadium? Because we will assume that the moment he left the stadium was when the program came to an end, yeah, an official um, end at least. Around 9.30. Yeah, actually, I have a text here from mm. the Ministry of uh, Basic and Secondary Education. Okay, good. Who, who are yeah. responsible for inter-house sports? Yes, the Permanent Secretary actually had sent in a text um, mm. after our show mm -hmm. last week mm -hmm. regarding the query. Mm -hmm. And then he said... Um, uh, sorry, I'm just seeing your text now. However, it is true inner-house inner sports are put on hold yep. uh, based on the advice of the Permanent Secretary and the Minister of Health. Mm -hmm. Notwithstanding, the letter has also been sent to the Office of the President for consideration after an appeal from Secondary School Sports Association. So maybe pending the outcome of the appeals letter yeah. sent to the Office of the President, we will see whether there is a determination as to Well, I know one school that has gone ahead and, you know, organized its inter-house, not, uh, not, not waiting for whatever was to come from State House, having realized that, um, you know, State House was going to uh, be at the stadium with thousands of others. Uh, good morning, Peter. Trust you are all keeping well and safe. My question to the two Ibrahimas uh, is, should they be answering questions about NPP on this platform? I think NPP should have a spokes should have spokespersons. They should not defend Barrow when it regards NPP. Well, it's a thin line, actually. I mean, uh, we only talk about NPP when, you know, I mean, questions, I mean, uh, are asked that actually also relate to the president and the government. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Like the president wearing a mask at the stadium. Yeah. That actually has no boundaries. Absolutely. You know, yes. Absolutely. And, and, Absolutely. And, and the same people will go around and say, if they go to Peter Gomez's so they always lie. They don't want to tell the truth. Exactly. They, they ask him about Barrow and they wouldn't say it. <laughs> so if you say about Barrow, it's you are defending Barrow. So it's a very, yeah. well, I guess, it's complicated. It's a tough job being a, yeah. a Barrow employee. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. No, it's, it's not as tough as you think. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me rephrase that. It's a rewarding job. Being a borough employee. <laughs> ah, okay. It's a complicated job. I gotcha. I, I, I gotcha. All right. Uh, Uncle Peter, we are complaining about petrol stations in the middle of our residences. Well, we all saw what happened uh, at the weekend at Castle Petrol Station at Westfield. <coughs> you, knew about, you, you know about Castle, don't you? Yes. Um, the midnight fire. Mm. I, Was it I midnight? I just, I just woke up, you know, in the morning planning for yesterday's program, and I saw a report from uh, uh, Alaji... Alaji near midnight, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, 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 sorry. Go ahead. The Defence Minister is waiting for your call. Ah, okay. So uh, let's get the Defence Minister back on on that issue. In the meantime, let's, let's, let's move on. Uh, gents, last week, the chairman of Africa CDC was on TV saying every government in Africa should enforce mask-wearing and hand-washing, every government in Africa. Mm. That does not leave the Gambia out. So why are we not enforcing hand-washing hand and especially mask-wearing? Peter, um, it is a very, very difficult situation. Mm. Gambia is probably the 
uh, as you know, smallest country. Uh, on mainland Africa. On mainland Africa. Mm -hmm. And um, Gambia is also constrained in so many ways. Mm -hmm. When the rest of the African countries were in lockdowns mm -hmm. and night curfews and emergencies, mm -hmm. the Gambia decided to go very methodical, very simple steps by engaging the population, you know, you know, creating drama shows. It became a gradual process. Uh, the president has always resisted the temptation for lockdowns, mm -hmm. given the sheer, you know, smallness of our economy and the potential ramifications mm -hmm. of a total lockdown of our business system. Um, so we went on the face masking. We were probably the last or one of the last countries that would even encourage a coffee. Even the coffee came from, from what time? 10 o'clock? Many people complain mm -hmm. that it should have started at 8 or 6. Mm -hmm. But if you look at the majority, the, the Gambia government employs less than the number of people who depend on themselves. Mm. So if you have a lockdown, Peter, like the other countries are doing, or just a coffee, a rush to judgment, they would say. Mm -hmm. you know, it, it has potential implications in, mm -hmm. in terms of policy, mm -hmm. in terms of the livelihood of the Gambian people, majority of whom are poor. And, and, and these are some of the things that really inform the decisions of the committee. There's mm -hmm. a COVID committee set up by the president. Mm -hmm. hand, hand washing and face masks? Uh, and, and no, no, no. I, no. There's, you, you remember there was even a lot of noise about the, the, the cost of the materials mm -hmm. for hand washing. The Ministry of Health came under increased criticism that they spent so much money buying, you know, detergents, uh, and, detergents and No, no, buckets. no. It, it was how much they paid for buckets, plastic you know, no, buckets. Yeah, I, I know. But I'm just trying to... They're saying that, you know, some of the figures they were quoting, you know, were heavily overpriced. It was not that they, they were buying those, all yeah. right? It's what they were paying for those. Yeah, and we, we also have to thank the Gambian people. The, the, the missionaries, for instance, mm -hmm. the Ahmadiyya Jama, the Christian mm -hmm. community, they all came knowing that this is a government that is not all that powerful like others, and they came in, you know, subsidizing government effort. You have a lot of organizations, companies that came in at State House giving masks and all those things. Even the idea of wearing a mask itself, you know, was so difficult to put in the people. But eventually, we, 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 we complied as a nation. And, and as, 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 as things got better, you know, the, the restrictions were, were relaxed, you know, gradually until we got back to near normalcy. Yeah, the question is, uh, yeah, yeah, when, yeah, no, but are we going to start enforcing as recommended by the African CDC? Well, the African CDC is an, is an African regional organization that, that matters to the Gambian people and to the Gambian government very much. So the Gambian government is not oblivious of what happens elsewhere and even within the parameters of that organization. I'm sure... You know, in the coming days, mm -hmm. you know, we will also, you know, sit down. You know, our committee is chaired by the vice president. <coughs> we continue to monitor the progress, and, and we, will, we will come out, you know, with, with, a, with a statement right. to, to show what the Gambia government also feels about this. Thing. All right. The defense minister is uh, <coughs> graciously back to uh, face uh, this question uh, for him. Hi, Uncle Peter. Can you please ask the minister, will there be a lift of the recruitment embargo for, for the security sector, because we are in an election year. Honorable Minister, thanks for coming back. What's your answer to that? Hey, thank you, Peter. Um, actually, yes, there was a moratorium put in place for a couple of years because we were doing um, a staff auditing. The entire armed forces are being audited for the first time in the history of this country. And you cannot start recruiting until you, have, you know what you got. But another good news is there was this natural attrition rate. A lot, some people retired voluntarily. 
Some people were redesignated to other areas. Some people may have better opportunities, maybe some other parts of the world. So some of our problem is already solved, that maybe uh, almost a thousand people just naturally because of due to retirement or voluntary retirement has gone. So we've got the vetting strategy in place now also for the first time. We've never had that. Um, every soldier, every person in the armed forces now um, is being accounted for so that we know what we want and before we start to recruit to recruit more. So a lot is going on, Peter. I want to reassure them that we're, we're on. The Gambia Armed Forces Act validation is on. Terms and conditions of service are on. My, my advice is to just embrace peace, calm down, and let's prepare and make this country what it's supposed to be. So we're, we're on track, um, and uh, eventually all those problems will come. But we have to, first of all, know what we've got before we start recruiting um, new, new folks into the, into the armed forces. So you are telling us we do not have any more ghost soldiers in our GAF, Gambia Armed Forces? Actually, thank God, this new government has come with a staff audit. So everybody is being accounted for, and that's great news for this country. Our sons and daughters are being accounted for, and uh, they know exactly who is who. No more ghosts here and there. No, that's a, that's a thing of the past. Everybody is being accounted for, Peter. Sheikh Omar Fai, thank you so very much. I appreciate it. Ask Ibrahim Asila, what is the government doing about the issue of corruption? When it comes to corruption... This government seems to always demonstrate lack of energy. This is why civil servants have continued to normalize corruption. According to the 2020 CPI report, Gambia is ranked 102nd out of 180 countries. In other words, out of 180 countries, we are only better than six countries. This is a drop from position 96 in 2019. Well, I've not seen this uh, particular report. You don't have to see it. This no, is, I'm, I'm just telling you, I've not you seen the... a clear the, indication of yes. um, yeah, how badly we have done in, two, in, in one year. No, but I mean, uh, what indicators have they the, I mean, used the CPI to... to no, no, but that's what I'm saying. The, the, the CPI oh, 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 in itself... Oh, 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 no. let's, not, let's not go to that. When, when this funny uh, organization in America scored us 95%, you need to ask what indicators they used. No, but I have, I have known that. I, I, this particular one I have not seen. And, and, and also, I mean, uh, you know, the government of the Gambia has already put together the anti-corruption bill. It has passed it on to the National Assembly. And, you know, we are waiting for the, um, the, the bill to be, to, be, to be discussed and then passed at the National Assembly. Okay. All right. Uh, anything yet from uh, Mamur on the name tags and regiment numbers? Yes, um, uh, he, he called. Uh, Sorry, I shouldn't say Mamur, IGP. IGP, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Peter, I've told you to stop this laughing business. <laughs> anyway, um, the IGP. With all due respect, <laughs> yeah. if, if I bully others because I am older than them, I should also show uh, IGP respect. Joe some respect. <laughs> He's slightly older than me as well. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, he doesn't mind, anyway. Oh, no. But um, he actually called, and then he, um, among other things, part of the restructuring that the defense minister was talking about, that the reprogramming of the forces, the Gambia police force has also been in the forefront. Um, so he's also 
reviewing the process of name tags. He told me like in the First Republic and in the first days of the coup, we still had those uh, aluminum tags, yes, you know, and exactly. badges. So he, he, he has factored it in and is in, is in progress. So hopefully... Yeah, let's bring back discipline into our police force. No, there is discipline in the force, Peter. The absence of a badge doesn't really mean... It's all part of discipline. Yeah, 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 I know, yeah, yes. but, yeah. But to suggest that because somebody doesn't have a badge, therefore is in discipline, Peter, is also preposterous. Discipline is not behavior. No, no, no. Yeah, well, yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, military discipline yeah. is different from behavior. But if you're looking at it from that perspective, yes, I agree. But then, you know... Good morning. Okay. Are you done? Yeah, okay. Good morning, Peter and Mr. Silla. Uh, can you guys please help us solve our problem, which is with NAWEC, our electricity pole, which is located just opposite St. Charles, Jiao Lower and Upper Basic School, uh, catches fire every two or three days. But whenever we contact NAWEC, they don't show up to resolve the problem. Please, can you help us through your authority to solve the problem before it is too late? Thank you. This is a serious problem. A poll that allegedly catches fire every two to three days, and whenever NAWEC is called upon to come and solve a problem that is their business to solve, they do not show up. This is serious. It is serious, and I hope uh, the MD of NAWEC is listening so that the matter can be resolved today or soonest. Okay. Uh, yeah, the... the, the um, I think the location is very precise. Yes. Uh, and, uh, but if you can send me the text so that I can also forward it to him. That's not a problem. That's not a yeah. problem. Can you ask, Ibrahimas, why are police mounting checkpoints on the main roads up and down the country with the clear purpose of extorting money from road users as opposed to enforcing traffic laws which are persistently uh, being broken? Also, uh, what powers do the police have asking law-abiding citizens at their checkpoints about where the citizens are coming from and where they are going to without any reasonable suspicion as to commission of an offense, arrestable or otherwise. Surely we are not in a police state, and it's none of police or state's business to know what I am doing as a citizen within the law. That's an angry person. That's a what? Yes. That's an angry person. Angry with the police. <laughs> but, <laughs> Peter, yes. they, they always used to say, they always say, uh, if you don't have anything to hide, mm. you have no business to fear the police. Yes, yes I mean, if, if, for instance, it is, it is actually the, the responsibility of the police to protect and uh, serve the Gambian people. If, you know, in the last two weeks alone, mm -hmm. The police, there has been a manhunt for an alleged drug dealer. You know, uh, mounting police checks, among other things, would also, may also help apprehend such people. S during their, this normal, it was two weeks ago, the police were on a patrol checkpoint. What happened? People from Navek were apprehended stealing gasoline. So, unless if they act rashly, I think uh, mounting checkpoints is actually part of their uh, police protocols. I mean, this is important. It's, it also it serves as a deterrent. So citizens, and not only citizens, bad citizens, may know that actually whatever we do, we may be apprehended because the police are watching. So I don't think they just uh, stop there to pick money from people, as it is alleged, you know. Um, they stop me all the time. They've never asked me to give them money, you know. They know you. They wouldn't dare. 
No, I mean, <laughs> but Peter, no, no, you are on television all the time. No, I'm not. I've not been. I've not been on TV for a long time, unless if you cover me. But I have not gone to any TV station in in over four months, Peter. Yeah, but I mean, is it like the texter asked? Is it the business of the police to ask me where I'm coming from, where I'm going? No, it is. Yes, it is in the United States, Peter. Particularly if you are a black person. You know, it is very common. No, that is racial no. profiling. Are you, are, you, no, 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 no. are you supposing that uh, the police profile some people so they, they don't ask government officials, they know where they're coming from, where they're going to, but they will ask me where I'm coming from and where I'm going to? If the police, for instance, see they spot you coming and you are driving, you know, at high speed, you know, they have every reason to stop you and ask, are you okay? Where are you going? Oh, no. Yeah. Where are you coming from? Where are you coming from? Yes. It's okay, yeah. Peter. Well, the guy said... I mean, they should worry about traffic matters. Over-speeding, that is a traffic issue. You know, I mean, uh, pull me off the road. I mean, whatever, you know. I mean, whatever the law so is about um, over-speeding, apply it to the letter. I'm not defending the police. I'm just asking you, you it is reasonable for a police officer to stop a car and ask the driver mm. for his uh, particulars and ask him what is going on. Mm. He, he, he is he's a trained officer. He knows what he's looking for. Mm. You and I are not police officers. Okay. They probably know best why they ask those questions. All right, let's move on. Good morning, Uncle Peter. Could you, could you ask uh, the minister why every morning for the past four weeks we are without water in Kotu from 8 till late afternoon? Ibrahim must be using bottled water for his tea. Actually, I gave him the tea. He's talking, <laughs> talking about your tea. You know? No, it's not tea, Peter. He gave him coffee. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he changes. If I go this way, he goes the other way. All right. And, 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 and the texter goes on, you know, uh, sarcastically, sarcastically to ask, or oh, do we have to wait till 2022? 2022, baby. To fix the water problem. Questions about... Nawek. Yeah. Well, uh, maybe I but, should. <laughs> but Peter, Nawek, you know, Nawek, Nawek is a, is a, it has been a hydra-headed problem since independence, yeah, quite definitely. frankly. And, um, you, you no, just, that's not a good excuse. No, no, I know. We, I, cannot, no, 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 but we Peter, cannot be fighting one problem since, actually, Nawek became a problem from 1977. It's not. Tobaski Day. 1977. Yeah, it was a Tobaski day. Yeah, so we were 12, yeah. 12 years post-independence. Yeah. You know, and one problem. We've been mm. grappling with one problem since 1977. Mm. What, what sort of a country are we? Well, now if you are listening, Nani, in particular, please furnish us with uh, mm. the information on the uh, upgrade of the water situation, especially in the Koto area. Yeah. Kotu are complaining. Yes. I don't have water upstairs anymore. You have to come downstairs. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Just because, you know, yeah, everybody does not complain does not mean that the problem is not as serious as it appears. Well, uh, you know, not one only, of, when, you, when, you, when they come on the Nawek hour, one or two people complain. It's like, ah, nyom, 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 nyom. It's a bigger but, problem than that. But we told you the problem of uh, London Corner for ages. Mm. got to a point we just gave up. Mm. All right? Things have improved. You would get water now until around 5.30, it disappears. There was a time you wouldn't get a, even, even a drop from the taps. Wow. You know, that has improved. If you wake up between 3 a.m. and 5.30 a.m., you will, well, at least I get water at home. Yeah. I'm not sure whether this is right across uh, the London Corner area. You know? uh, good morning, Mr. Gomez. May I kindly ask, may I kindly ask the Honorable Minister whether he submitted an asset declaration form at the time of appointment as minister. Um, did you? No, I, I, I did not. Okay. 
All right, let's move on. That's, that's very quick. If we can get you know, <laughs> short uh, uh, to the point answers. Right or wrong, the two Ibrahims will always support the president. I don't understand. Are they griots? Are you griots? Well, I mean, uh, doing your job, if that actually, I mean, uh, qualifies you to be termed one fine. I mean, we are doing our job. Somebody says, let government help GTSC uh, to, get, to buy minibuses. GTSC, Gambia Transport Service Company? Yes. How do you feel about that recommendation? Well, it's good, but uh, it's not the business of the government to buy the buses for the parastatals. Mm -hmm. They make their own plans, and I think uh, they are now, I think it's mostly owned by the social security, majority mm -hmm. shareholder there. Um, there was a time, I think, at the beginning, towards the end of last year, they submitted a plan to upgrade the fleet. So I don't know what is the, the, the situation with that. What are they doing with the gateway money when Gamtel Gamsel are struggling? <laughs> the gateway money is uh, shared uh, between the government of the Gambia, um, the operators themselves, the ICT agency. Um, also, part of it goes to the sports. And then Gamtel is giving 5% mm. on top of whatever they are contributing. So that is the um, percentage. Mm. And also a 5% is also used to pay for the cost of the monitoring equipment because when that was being bought, government did not have the funds. So, I mean, it was agreed among the operators mm. and also PURA to fund it through um, that scheme. Uh, can your guests clarify the <coughs> toll uh, collection confusion at the Senegambia Bridge and whether the Accountant General Department is mandated by law to intrude in that area? Because several letters have been dispatched to the GPA informing them to hand over operations to personnel from the Accountant General's Department. What's all this confusion about revenue collection? I thought that was the whole purpose of setting up the GRA. Yes, but um, I think uh, this mainly has to do with the fact that uh, the NRA, which is the National Roads Authority, actually when the bridge was built, I think uh, the Ministry of uh, Works was uh, actually doing this through the ferries because uh, no, the ferries were no longer going. So as a result, in order not to lay off some of those staff, you know, the initial plan was to you know, use them to actually collect, uh, you know, the, 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 the revenue from the boots. So, I mean, how that has changed from, you know, the Ministry of Works to Accountant General, actually, I don't have the information. The GPA, there's GPA, there's Accountant General's Department, there was Ministry of Works. Yes, the, the, the GPA and is I'm under saying, the Ministry of Works. what is the purpose of the Gambia Revenue Authority? Well, <laughs> the, I mean, the, they, they should have authority over all incoming revenue to the government. No, but you see, uh, some of the sectors also collect, you know, um, the revenue of the state and pay it directly to, to, to the GRA. Well, the GRA, rather than doing it through a third party, mm. why not allow the GRA to do it themselves? Yeah, that's, a good, that's a good suggestion. I mean, I, I hope that could be done. As they say, mm. why have a dog and bark? Mm. The dog should be barking. You shouldn't yeah. be barking. You shouldn't be going, mm, mm, mm. When you have a dog to do that for you. <laughs> you, saw, uh, you saw it's getting more interesting. <laughs> morning, Uncle Peter. Getting more ridiculous. Uh, morning, Uncle Peter. Please, the two Ibrahimas should call a spade a spade. The real deal is not about the president wearing masks. 
but he should not have proceeded with his launching in the first place. For all I know, uh, even if he wore a mask, his people will not all wear it. Uh, wearing it alone can't stop the spread of the virus also. If he can do his launching, why not the interschools? It's like we are having a dictator in the making. <laughs> Is that what we are having? No. Yeah? Not at all. Brings us back to the issue of, um, of the interschools. Mm. If you can allow uh, the NPP uh, launching ceremony to, to go on with all those bodies in, in, one, in one place, why stop the interschool? Again, the issue of um, him leading by example, basically, that's, that's this. Okay. Yeah? Thank you. Let's move on. I personally think both Ibrahimas have done a fairly good job. Uh, however, I find Mr. Sankara's answers to a concerned citizen's dissatisfaction with his performance very disappointing and disheartening. Uh, the two are public servants, and it will be a mistake to assume that all criticism uh, is politically motivated. I never said it was politically motivated. I never used that. What I said was, uh, if a person called mm -hmm. and said I should be sacked, mm -hmm. I have never done anything good for this government. I said that was that person's opinion. Mm -hmm. you know, but I can bet you that person mm -hmm. is also among a country of people mm -hmm. who from day one mm -hmm. have been against my hiring. Mm -hmm. And I'm also entitled to my opinion. Mm -hmm. I'm still a Gambian mm -hmm. citizen. Mm -hmm. If a citizen has an opinion that I should be sacked, mm -hmm. and I'm been, I've been given the opportunity to defend myself, mm -hmm. I think I have every uh, right mm -hmm. to, to, to use every fiber of my body mm -hmm. to also uh, articulate my own response. Mm -hmm. And that is what I did. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, good morning, Peter. Can you tell... Uh, Sankare, we are in New Gambia, and the presence of Ekomik has nothing to do with former MPs. Let him be current. Are you not current? Absolutely current. I'm, I'm, I'm as current as current is, and I'm being very historical, and I'm uh, injected a historical perspective. Mm -hmm. This is a country that is also growing. We have university students, mm -hmm. primary school students, high school students who also listen. Mm -hmm. And it's good when you talk to your country, a representative of government, you speak to them in a language mm -hmm. that also is consistent mm -hmm. with what has happened in the, in, in, in the history of that country. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, a school principal has... Um sent me a snapshot of uh, the uh, suspension letter uh, sent from the Ministry of um, Basic Education to all schools. It says, temporary suspension of sports in schools. On behalf of the Honorable Secretary General and Head of the Civil Service, I would like to... Uh, now, this is actually from the Office of the President. This is from the uh, um, Secretary General's um, office, dated 27th of January. This is what, four days ago? Four, five days ago? Uh, on behalf of the Honorable Secretary General and the, or the, the Secretary General is also an Honorable? Well, I think this is because uh, yeah, he, he used to be the Minister of uh, Presidential Affairs, that portfolio. Um, also, I think because the Secretary General sits in Cabinet. Okay. So I don't know why... Okay. Well, uh, I've never had to, you know, call the Secretary General Honorable. <laughs> Sir, is enough. Uh, okay, anyway, let, 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 let's, let's go on with it. On behalf of the Secretary General and Head of the Civil Service, I would like to acknowledge receipt of your letter, reference, da, 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 dated 26 January 2021, pertaining uh, on the above subject matter. However, I am directed to inform you that the decision of uh, temporary suspension of sports in school still stands due to export 
sorry, due to expert advice. Uh, while looking forward to your usual cooperation, please accept uh, the assurances of our highest consideration. So the ministry has written to uh, the president. This, uh, this is from a school principal. Yes. Mm. Yes. Mm. Yes. We also have our sources. <laughs> <laughs> so it has become a bragging right. <laughs> no, because your, your sources, I mean, even the minister has not been sourced. <laughs> I have not been sourced either, so you are actually sourcing us. <laughs> we should be sourcing you, but instead you are sourcing us. <laughs> so congratulations. So State House has, has, has yet to make a decision on this. Gentlemen, we have... Uh, Three minutes. Oh, State House has just sourced you. Huh? Well, three <laughs> so the Ministry has written to uh, State House uh, looking for guidance, and they are still to, uh, to, to get that. Uh, but they are quoting that uh, based on expert advice. I think that should also mean that uh, the previous advice by the Permanent Secretary, Ministry of Health, still stands. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah, three minutes. How do you want to spend the three minutes? Well, to thank you know, all the listeners uh, for the engagement and also to thank you and your management yeah. for always providing the opportunity. Sankare? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, if you give me the opportunity, I would want to use this occasion to actually uh, make a very brief statement about the Gambia government's position on the coup d'etat that just took place in Myanmar. You should board. have done that earlier on. You have a minute and a half. Quick. Yeah, but, uh, well, the, the Gambia government joins the rest of the international community to express concern about uh, the coup d'etat that just happened uh, in Myanmar, um, which is home to over 600,000 uh, Rohingya Muslims who were a subject of some uh, genocide um, allegations. And then we hope that the military uh, government would respect the ruling of the International Criminal Court, of the International Court of Justice, uh, about, the, about the, the, the fate of the Rohingyas and will not use this as an opportunity to liquidate the remaining 600,000 Rohingya who have actually suffered a lot of oppression and suppression over the years. And um, it is a worrisome development that the same military that has been actually um, oppressing the Rohingya has now totally overtaken the government, seized power, and then arrested so many prominent leaders like Ansar Suki. So the Gambia government question is that uh, uh, it is worried, uh, given the ominous uh, trajectory of the military uh, situation in, in, in Myanmar. And later today I will write a longer press briefing for the rest of the press corps. That is laudable, but um, yes, it's... Uh a total shame that um, African governments, including the Gambia, are not saying anything about China's treatment of its Muslim Uyghur population.